HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today on the show, I'm very excited to be able to welcome my friend Kevin, who is a CSA farmer a little bit south, down in the valley, closer towards the city. Um, I would also like to announce the fact that there are some events upcoming that you should put in your calendar if they aren't already there. Um, the first one is this weekend on Saturday of the Germantown Collective, which is a young farmer den in Germantown. Um, they're having a young farmer and kind of Hudson Valley food sovereignty meeting. It's the Hudson Valley Food Sovereignty Roundtable, I think, and there's going to be farmers from Vermont and New Hampshire and Maine um, talking um, with each other about local food security issues and also working to provide content for Kaya's new radio station, which is called Full Power Radio. You can read all about that um, at the Germantown Farm website, um, which is a Google away. So now... I'm Severin. I'm your host. It's Thursday. And Kevin, are you on the air? Yeah, I am. Hi, Severin. Hi, Kevin. Welcome to the show. Thanks. I, um, I was hoping you could introduce yourself and your farm and, um, and tell us what's up. Yeah, well, I, uh, I'm Kevin Skavorak. Uh, I'm my partner, Sarah Williford. We have a CSA uh, in uh, High Falls, New York, which is just over the backside of the ridge from New Paltz. Um, we're, we're pretty small. We are about an acre uh, that we're handling, and we're doing about 30 or 35 memberships. Um, and uh, we, have a farm, we have a market that we're doing on Sundays here at the farm where we're doing sustainable living workshops. And we do one farmer's market um, in Woodstock, uh, which is on Wednesdays. Um, and a little bit to the local co-op and some other other things, but we're we're relatively small. But um, you know, we focus on sustainability, and we call ourselves Regeneration CSA because beyond sustainability, we're trying to really explore what regenerative farming techniques look like. So let's talk what that means. Um, tell me, what does it mean to you, and what kind of a special focus? What makes your farm different from a lot of the others, like One Acre? CSA um, project. Well, you know, sustainability is one of those words that everybody gets to use apparently nowadays. You know, everything is sustainable. Everything is sustainable development. And I always, I, I appreciate it. I heard one time uh, some of the some designers, German fellow, I think, um, uh, who was 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 kind.
kind of giving his little little perspective on the word sustainability, and he said, well, if somebody came up to you and asked, well, how's it going with your partner, your wife or husband or significant other, um, and, uh, you know, you were to say, well, it's sustainable, you know, you'd say, well, gee, you know, that's too bad. I'm sorry to hear it's not going well. So, you know, and then sustainability, when we look at what's going on on the planet, you know, we, do we want to sustain the climate change we're in? Do we want to sustain the extinction event we're in? Do we want to sustain, you know, the giant death? Hello? Yeah. Hypoxic dead zone, you know, in the Gulf of Mexico, and on and on and on. So these aren't, obviously aren't things that we want to sustain, so we, we want to go further than that. Um, okay, so, so I've, I feel like it, it, it behooves me to mention the fact that you came out of... Um, you weren't. You haven't been a farmer for the last thirty years, and you don't have the um, you don't have the calmness of um, of the countryside necessarily in your blood. You still have a lot of um, of fight in your in your dog, and maybe you maybe can you know a where, bit, where, um, we, where that energy comes from. Well, we'll see. I mean, I you know I came. I guess I came to farming. You know, like a lot of new people are now. I mean, I grew up. In, in a rural environment in northern Idaho on a ranch um, and, uh, you know, was driving a tractor when I was too small to buck hay bales and, you know, uh, you know grew up in that environment. And, and at the time, of course, I left it. You know, I was like, you know, heck with this, you know, and so the bright lights and big city for me. So I ended up in New York City and, you know, in a roundabout way and spent quite a few years there. And along that path, kind of, you know, uh, focusing on, you know, ended up doing, you know, sort of a little bit of, you know, organizing for social justice issues and, and kind of seeing that I wanted to, that, that maybe the city life wasn't for me and I wanted to get back and uh, to something, you know, with my own hands and also that felt more like solutions for where we're going because, you know, it was, it was getting kind of tiring maybe arguing with people how, you know, wrong, you know, uh, things are going, you know, we have to start creating alternatives that, you know, we can all share with each other. And, and so food seemed natural. And so it was, I came to it from a lot of different directions and not least, at least to wish that that's where I want to be for myself. And do you feel like um, your connections in the activist community are serving you well now? Can you, can you maybe talk about your network? Well, you know, I think it's, I think that it's so much broader than that now. You know, uh, the, the kind of things that, uh, that uh, you know, so-called activist scene was talking about, you know, 20 years ago or 30 years ago with climate change, you know, or peak oil or, you know, corporate globalization and the values Im- embodied in that, you know, this is all mainstream now. You know, everyone knows that they want to eat local food and they, and they know they want to eat organic and they know it for a lot of reasons. You know, so it's not really activists anymore. It's just it's just it's just it's just more and more mainstream, and that's I think where we all you know uh, I, I think that's where the where where the energy and 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 where the change is going to come from, you know, because um, so we have to change. You know, if we're not going to everybody wants to eat it, and are they are they pounding down your door? Well, we're we're interestingly along we're you know sandwiched between the wall kill drainage and the rondout. Uh, Two of the two of the watersheds with some of the best farmland, you know, in in the downstate, you know, New York region. We're in between in the Coxon Kill. We're farming on clay, so we're kind of the, the the people in our local community are pretty privileged that they have access to a lot of local food, 
you know, local farms and farm stands and CSAs. So it's really a great area for people like that. But yeah, we're getting support. Um, and, uh, um, but it's, you know, it's, 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 it, people have a lot of options. I think that because of what we're doing, though, uh, people come to us because they've gone farther, again, than just organic, you know, and just local. And there's other reasons and other choices that they're making in their, you know, food buying decisions, you know. And so tell us about the workshop that's coming up this weekend. Well, um, uh, uh, well our next event here actually is, um, is Sunday, May 17th. And we're gonna, we have a seedling sale and a transplanting workshop. Um, it's, uh, and so uh, just sort of showing people what goes on in a no-till, weed-free sort of garden situation, which is we do. We farm without tilling the soil. That's a big part of what we do. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, people can Google that as well and really explore, you know, and that work's been doing, done for a while by Ruth Stout, Lee Reich, and others, but we farm with those methods. Um, and we're doing a transplanting workshop. And, and then, you know, mostly every other Sunday coming up after that, we're going to try to be doing um, sort of hands-on sustainable living skills that people can improve their quality of life and lower their carbon footprint at the same time. So just a, a lot of things in terms of gardening techniques, um, alternative energy, stuff that's very practical and hands-on, lacto-fermentation, canning, food drying, you know, a lot of it based around food. And then other things, the first one of those events is going to be June 7th, and Manajo Green, who's a local town council person in Rosendale, is also involved in the transition town movement. And the transition movement is uh, a kind of a nationwide organization of communities that are our, our network of communities that are looking at transitioning what, what it, their communities are going to have to do to transition from basically a high-energy oil economy to a future without so much fossil fuels. And that's a big question. So um, anyway, an, an introduction to the Transition Town Movement, again, June 7th, um, here at the farm, or they should check out what's going on in the transition. Uh, I think it's Transition U.S or transition.org, or they can Google it, and there's a lot of activity out there now. Um, will you mind telling us again your website? We're regenerationcsa.org. Again, regenerationcsa because of regenerative farming. You know, we want to we build the soil. You know, we want to, we you know, create more diversity. Uh, so, you know, sustainable is not enough. So clearly um, the small farm movement and the young farmer movement and the local food movement are all a part of that reclaiming, restoring, retrofitting, revisioning, um, and recycling of America's landscape and uh, infrastructure. Um, tell me, do you feel a community support? Do people um, on the ground in your community understand your role in doing that and, and, um, and welcome you in, into their community with that understanding? What's it like to be a newcomer is my question. Well, I mean, the farming community, honestly, um, is a very supportive one. You know, the, the, the Northeast Organic Farmers Association, um, there's it's a statewide and a northeast-wide regional network. They do conferences statewide and, and, uh, and, and regionally in the summertime, and it's a great opportunity to, to learn. And farmers want to share, you know, knowledge. We, ha we, were, we felt very supportive. People gave us compost. People gave us, like, 
You know, I can't even think of the list of different things when we were just starting out. And so we try to do the same thing with new farmers. And I think it's for, you know, for, for capitalism, you know, for a, for a culture of capitalism, you know, farming is one of the most mutually supportive ones that I've ever been in. Um, and I think that just translates to a lot, you know, in community support and everything else. I think that we've we got to get past the consumer and commodity sort of vision, and I think that's why I really like being in a CSA and, be, and, 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 and growing in a CSA because that's how we relate to our members, you know, is they're a lot more than consumers. You know, they're, they're stakeholders in the farm, they're stakeholders in, in the future of, you know, protecting the farm soil, you know, in their region for their future, you know, for future generations. So that part of protecting they're the biodiversity activated. and the ecology. So they're part of all of that, you know, when they're part of a CSA. And so, and we have a lot of member involvement and members meetings and a lot of activity. So it goes up and down the line how our how our shares are are handled and how much people have to pay and all that aren't decisions that we make unilaterally, but they're decisions we make in relationship with our members. So in the same way as your shareholders and the people who are eating your food are, are involved in your farm, you're also getting yourself involved as a stakeholder in um, regional planning and land use planning and some of the organisms and institutions of um, land use and, and conservation. Can you talk a little bit about your work with the, CS, with the um, land trust? Yeah, well, you know, one of the things, you know, we've learned along the way, you know, we're, we're not on land that we own ourselves, and we're on a private, other private landowner's farm. Uh, I mean, land-based, we were also farming on a nonprofit land base at Camp Epworth that also is doing a lot of permaculture activity there. Um, but looking at basically the, the fundamental question in the downstate region, at least, is that the, the, the state and housing market have priced land out of the land of farmers' hands um, such that they cannot, it's, it's beyond from an economic standpoint, it's economic carrying capacity to purchase that land, which means that no matter what you were able to grow on that land, you could never service the debt, you know, to Citicorp or whoever you're paying the mortgage to pay for that land. So it's no longer viable for agriculture. And that's, we can say, well, tough luck, that's, that's capitalism. But, you know, it's not because those farm soils and that farm, that's a finite resource and as we, as we, you know, as, 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 the, as the food that's shipped across the country and across the world, you know, is more and more expensive because of the cost rising fuel costs, you know, fossil fuel, um, you know, people are going to need that farm soil. And so, um, and also to create the opportunities for new farmers, because if we're going to feed ourselves locally within 100 miles or much less 300 miles, you know, people are looking at these, you know, local food diets, you know, we're going to need you know, you know, you know, five to ten times the number of farmers than we have in the Northeast region to feed the Northeast population sustainably. Um, so those are very big planning issues. They're, those, are, those are community issues that affect everyone. We were just at a land trust alliance conference, and all of the regional land trusts were there, and uh, one focusing on farmland was the, was the, was the most attended, and so it was, it was interesting. There was a lot of dialogue there. And we were, our organization, which is, which is brand new, is called the Hudson Valley Community and Agricultural Land Trust. And, you know, we, and we're, it's not just us, a number of other farmers involved. And we've seen that, you know, the, the, the land trust model that's happened up to now hasn't really helped protect land and get it in the hands of working farmers. 
um, unintentionally, while it's while it has protected you know land from unwanted development, it has actually moved the land out of the hands of those who were traditionally working the land and farmers, and into the hands of estate buyers. Now, this is not this isn't a nationwide problem, but it is a problem in a lot of communities. And here, it's a problem. Long Island's a problem. Same thing out in the Bay Area, in a lot of places, these urban areas that actually need local farmland, you know, the most. So that's where, you know, so we need to focus on some different models. That's what we're focusing on. And uh, affordability. Well, and, and what happens is it changes the economic base of the region. You know, I'm in, I'm exactly, I'm in the upper Hudson, or the mid-Hudson. And, yeah. you know, around here, everybody's excited that they have, a, you know, a family a guy who's mowing their lawn has been, you know, farming since the 18th century, and it's a point of pride for many of the people who, who do need their lawns mown. Um, but, you know, those dairy farmers, you know, should be managing their herds, and it's, it's not necessarily such a great thing for that land to be mown when there are so many young farmers who could come and, and farm that land. And, um, yes, we could, you know, we can have beautiful vistas, but I do feel like um, it shouldn't be such a radical thing to suggest that farmland should be farmed. And we do need to get to a place where the community is educated um, and, um, and supportive of that, of that idea. Um, I'm actually sitting right now on some landowners' land that um, I'm, planning, um, I'm planning them an orchard, actually, right, right now. It's, it's um, a beautiful day to plant trees because it just dried out enough and it's supposed to rain again tonight and keep raining. So... Um, there certainly is um, plenty of market opportunity up here for people doing edible landscaping and um, helping, you know, farmscaping, basically. But um, there could easily be programs that would help these bits of, bits of land um, become more active producers of food. Do you know any good examples of that? Well, you know, I mean, New York State is a little bit behind. Um, uh, Vermont and Massachusetts both have great statewide models right now. Um, you know, I, 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 I hear what you're saying. There's a lot going on right now with private landowners and how people are doing it and, 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 and all of the different. I, I don't want to say there's only one solution because, you know, if we're going to feed ourselves regionally, it's going to be all the solutions are needed. Um, but, the, but the Vermont and the Massachusetts model is the one we're sort of basing our, ourselves after in terms of values. And uh, and that's this that that it's a limited equity model. A farmer uh, basically gets gets access to a land, and you know the housing and the and the agricultural you know improvements, whatever on there, and and pays agricultural pays the appraised agricultural value for that. Um, that farmer can then be on that land as long as they want, transfer it to their heirs as long as they continue farming. When they need to move from that and they want to move on or retire, they sell it back. Um, and they can sell it to the next farmer or whoever comes or, or, or back to the program, and these are statewide programs, at the same thing, at appraised agricultural value at that point, you know, 20 or 50 years down the road, um, whatever the case may be. Any improvements they've made, if, if farming has changed and agriculture has changed and they've changed the infrastructure or put on new hoop houses or done whatever or, or, or improved their their cattle operation, you know, and, and, and you know, then all of those are improvements, and they 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 they, they get to they, they they do get the equity from that. So the equity stake for farmers is very important, and that's one of the things that's going on now with a lot of the leases with private landowners is there's there's no equity stake for new farmers. 
And, you know, everyone is in, everybody is, you know, needs some level of security for the future. We're saying that, that the farmer who's farming that land needs to have, a, have it on it, but we don't want to see them selling out to a developer when it's time to retire. And that's been the pattern now. So we need to make sure that they're taken care of, uh, have an equity stake, but that land continues in the community farming for the future. And this is just an economic model that looks like it's going to work for that. So, so let's put this again in the context of um, a consumer-based, you know, eaters and moms and policymakers and, you know, just people who are very supportive of, of local farming and who, I feel like you told me yesterday, um, are some of the best local buyers in the nation. Is it, tell me, what's the statistic about New York State? Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's great. You know, New York State is about halfway down, depending on what year you look, 25th or 26th in the nation in terms of overall ag dollars, just the total number of dollars. However, I, know, I don't know what that number is, you know, a few billion um, of all of agricultural sales. But they're number two in the country, right behind California, in terms of direct marketing sales. So that means all of the farmers' markets, you know, the direct marketing uh, in terms of value-added products and local products and, you know, farm-to-table events and, 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 and farm-to, you know, restaurants, uh, you know, uh, uh, Not uh, businesses. Not only do we have millions of people um, and the kind of capitalist capitalism, but we also have uh, millions of people who are used to and want to and know how to buy direct from farmers, which... Absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a really supportive community, and so people want that. They know the benefits already. Um, and so we just need to, I just, you know, we're making the argument we need that when we go to a NOFA conference, you know, you know, you're out there, you know how many young people there are that are passionate about farming, passionate about food. They're there for all of the right reasons. You know, they want to, they want to see the world change. They want, they don't want to contribute to the problem. They want to be part of the solution and that's bringing them to food and farming. So we got to, we got to create opportunities for them. It's, it's in all of our interests. So how, so just, you know, here we are, it's a beautiful day, it's springtime, and those people who are listening to the radio right now, they may be inspired to do something, plant a garden or call their congressperson. What are some um, tangible actions that we might suggest? Well, um, I, 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 I think that getting connected with what's going on in your community around these issues is the way to go. So get to the farmer's market. Find out who's doing what. There's a great organization, for instance. Each county, I think, has some really interesting things going on. Rockland County has the Rockland Farm Alliance, which is really looking at this issue and uh, trying to come up with some community-based solutions. Um, if people are in Ulster County or in the Hudson Valley want to support our organization, it's a membership-based organization. They can help guide it and direct it. If you want to see, we're changing the website, but if you want to see what's up there right now, the website is sustainableland.org. Um, and uh, I think they need to get out in their communities. And, and, and one thing is to be a consumer and to be out there and buy local food. It's good for you. It's good for your families. And it's good for everything else. But beyond that is, 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 is find a way to be active. And there's, there's a lot out there. I'm, was, was the, the transition community, for instance, the workshop that we're hosting with Manna Joe Green, what's going on in the transition mu- movement is a, great, is a great way of connecting the dots on all of this stuff, on planning, transportation, the food supply, you know, the local economy and where that's going to look 20 and 50 years down the road, you know, when our children are grown and they're facing a completely different world in terms of fossil energy. So there's so Another many places. That, I'm sorry. Yeah. There's so many 
places to get involved. The other two that just sprang into my mind um, are the food bank. Uh, apparently, the biggest portion of the volunteer hours expended by Americans is in the moving and distributing and collecting food, so food banks and food kitchens. And another, another thing that is going on is um, these local food policy councils that are springing up all over the country where basically groups of citizens petition um, at the county level to have um, legislative documents drawn up that essentially stipulate the purchasing of local foods by the hospitals, by the towns that prioritize the placement of um, the venues of commerce for local foods over, say, you know, supermarkets and fast food um, um, venues. And, and you know, in New York, a big success was getting more of those, um, even though it's not local food, those the fruit carts, the fruit and vegetable carts out on the street. Um, so that's, that was the direct result of people who um, limited the permit for um, you know, sweeter sweet foods and, and instead shuffled those permits toward um, whole whole fruits and vegetables. Yeah, great. Yeah, and another place is the so many local schools, elementary schools and junior high, middle schools and high schools putting in gardens. You know, it's just exploded, you know, down here. We know the woman who's organizing it here in our area, and she was like, well, I'm hoping, in, when we were talking to her last year, I'm hoping in five or six years we'll be able to get most of the schools to have gardens, and in one year she's got almost all of them to have a garden. So those are great places people have volunteered in their community and be connected with other people in their communities, get down to the gardens that are going up in all their schools, and if your school doesn't have a garden, get one there. Okay. All it takes is one crazy woman or, or even, even one crazy man. <laughs> it doesn't take, yeah, you'd oh, be surprised how little it takes. <laughs> well, cool. Um, we are. We have just about reached our maximum time. I'm so thankful for you coming on the show today with me. Sure. I'm thankful for your work. I can't wait to visit your farm. Yeah, keep up the good um, work. Anybody wants to come visit, just check us out. We're doing a lot of, you know, a lot of, lot, lot of stuff here, and we always love visitors. Let's call out the website again. Regenerationcsa.org. Awesome. This is Greenhorns Radio. I'm Severin. I'm your host. Our website is www.thegreenhorn.net, where you can get connected to the radio, the wiki, the guidebook, the blog, and all sorts of our events. The next big event that I want to announce is June 20th in Brooklyn. We're having a goat spit with a bicycle-powered rotisserie. Uh, I just saw the, the um, designs of it today. It's looking pretty cool. Um, we also have a, a young farmer mixer in Vermont, in Hardwick, Vermont, on June 18th. So... We hope you'll get on our mailing list, get involved, and stay connected to the young farmers in your life. All the best.